0: Hey everyone, Mad Max here and I want to tell you about D-Gen gear. What's that? You've already heard me talk about D-Gen gear? You know about it already? Then shame on you for not buying it yet. You could be draping yourself in near-eliteness or covering your own Zeke physique with a shirt made just for you. Head over to AbsoluteDegeneracy.com, click on the D-Gen shop icon, buy our gear, keep the lights on around here, and go full D-Gen. Absolute Sports Betting Degeneracy.
1: Hey everybody, Arch here, and I've got a very special guest hanging out with me tonight, Alex, or Prop Stars. What's going on, Alex?
2: What's up, Arch? Yeah, man, I've been excited. Looking forward to joining you all week. I'm really excited to be here, man.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, Phil pushed us together. (laughs) (laughs) Speedway Steve too, Phil. He was really adamant that we talked to each other, so I'm so glad we were able to uh, schedule this, get this down.
2: Likewise. Yeah. Shout out to Phil. He's the man. Super happy. uh, He put us together and linked us up and yeah.
1: And holy cow, you're a busy dude, man. I'm looking at this. Let's run down the list. You've got a Slack channel. You stream on, I don't know how many different platforms, four, five, 12, something like that.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I'm really busy, especially uh, NFL season, just you know, in yeah. full swing. Uh, NBA obviously starting soon, so yeah, I uh, work for CBS Sportsline. Right. Um, in addition to them, I also uh, stream for a platform called Four for Four. They specialize in fantasy content and also betting content. And then, in addition to both of those platforms, I have my own emerging, small, tiny little platform that I've recently started uh, called Pip Stars. And yeah, we're offering a, a immersive multi sport prop betting based service that uh yeah yeah I know
1: yeah 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 he's got a slack channel you definitely need to get over there you want to you want to look out pip stars and you want to give him the promo code speedway steve that's yes sir. Since, since 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 we have a connection with Steve all right well okay let's just let's just get to know you for a minute what got you into gambling
2: yeah so i have uh i grew up a just sports fanatic I'm originally from uh the Philadelphia area arch oh, where okay. uh, I'm sure you met people from Philadelphia. They're very passionate, passionate about passionate. Yes, passionate the the number one word. Uh, some people <laughs> would use other words, but I'll stick with passionate. Um, but yeah, Phil is actually from the Philadelphia area as well. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up in Philadelphia, just a massive uh, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, uh, Phillies fan. Just by default, I was never a huge baseball fan. I was an athlete when I was younger. Um, and then, yeah, as I, I actually was... Got an interest in sports betting as like when I was a teenager, I was uh, trying to borrow my mom's credit card to get (laughs) uh, money on offshore gambling sites that are all defunct now. So, yeah, I've been sports betting for well over, I am in my mid 30s, 15 years. And yeah, it's been a it's been a long, fun ride.
1: So, you talked about your favorite, obviously, your Philly fan. You never booed Santa Claus, did you, by the way? You know, I did
2: not. I okay. did not throw snowballs at okay. Santa Claus. There is, I can give you a little bit of insight into that story because, yeah, like, that yeah. is the narrative you hear, like, when you bring up Philly fans being, yeah, like, for poorly sure. behaved. Apparently, I mean, this is, again, this is, you know, handed down through sports talk radio that I've heard for years and years. But apparently, the story was there was some other issue on the field where the boos were misinterpreted and they weren't actually directed at Santa Claus. They were directed somewhere else and it turned into a big story. And yeah, the other one that we hear a lot about, have you heard of the Michael Irvin uh, story? No,
1: no, wait on me.
2: Okay, so Michael Irvin, you know the Cowboys Eagles had a obviously still have a huge rivalry. It was at like the peak rivalry back in you know the Cowboys when they were the most hated team in America and they were winning all those Super Bowls in the early '90s with Troy Aikman. And the Eagles were really struggling at this stage of uh, you know their their history. And uh, yeah, Michael Irvin was one of the most hated athletes in Philadelphia. And there was a, a play where I guess he had to get carted off. And he was uh, like booed, and apparently there was like batteries thrown at him oh and all sorts of objects. Like while he's like yeah. you know potentially paralyzed, being carted off the field. And then in addition to that, I'm not sure if you've heard this, but this was this was in fact true. I can't tell you if the Michael Irvin because that's rumored, but there was in fact a jail cell in the old Veterans Stadium, which is where the the Eagles, um, the Eagles and The Phillies played previously Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. Lincoln Financial Field. They actually had a jail cell inside the stadium because of how rowdy the Eagles and Philly fans were. And yeah. I think it was the only stadium in America that had a that had an active jail cell.
1: Well, there you go. You you kind of uh, tried to change the opinion, and, and then brought it right back. So.
2: <laughs> there is a lot of history there, yeah. so yeah, I grew up just a diehard uh, Philly sports fans. They're they're super passionate, and yeah. So basically, they, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Oh. Go ahead. I was gonna say they live, breathe, and eat just sports. Oh, yeah. That oh, is yeah. like dominates everything. That's what gets people out of bed. That's you know what people look forward to. There. I've,
1: I've met my fair share of Eagles fans. They're all good people. Good people. Agreed. I, you know, so I, I'm not gonna talk any trash on them. Not like a fucking like Yankees fan or anything. Like, come on. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, you grew up watching football, basketball, and you just kind of started betting those sports. So what you like to watch is exactly what you like to bet.
2: yeah yeah so i initially my interest was just yeah i just was trying to get as much sports content as i could i you know i knew sports betting was a thing i didn't know any bookies you know as a teenager i didn't have any exposure or access to that but i this was around the time where you know offshore sports books started to pop up that Mm -hmm. were you know, very difficult to get money on. Way harder to even get money off. But yeah, so that's that's how I kind of. Uh,
1: I, f- I feel your pain. I've got similar story, similar stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you okay? So you focus mostly on prop betting, is that right?
2: I do. So yeah, I, I focus pretty much solely singularly on player props Uh, for those who aren't familiar with prop betting you're betting on uh, a prop bet is essentially a bet that isn't factored in by the outcome of the game it's on individual player performances the easiest way to be it's you know essentially fantasy football but on a specific player for instance you know your favorite wide receiver how many yards or catches he may have over the course of just one game Mm -hmm.
1: do you dabble with fantasy much or does your model
2: I I do, yeah, I do, Arch. So I, that is kind of how, or what prompted me to, uh, kind of take sports betting seriously was I was actually playing high stakes and competitive season long fantasy. This was, uh, well over 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I was like focusing a ton of my attention and energy, pretty much doing as a full time job at this stage of my life. Um, as i was doing that i was also playing poker um, and a lot of the guys that i was playing poker with i was also playing fantasy sports with and they kind of turned me on to prop betting a lot of the research overlaps a lot of the strategies required to be successful in both spaces overlap so yeah i basically uh met some guys that kind of pushed me in the prop betting direction and that's kind of what Mm. got me started
1: so you prop bets would you say that's a maybe a less efficient market than uh, you know spreads, totals, money lines?
2: Significantly, significantly, yeah. So for, for starters, uh, it's a much more vast market. So you know, over the course of a, of one, a single football game, where you obviously have you know a spread, a total, and then some variations of that, you may have well over 100 individual player prop bets so yeah the the, the landscape is extremely vast so as a, a byproduct of that it's a very inefficient market um, coupled with sports books uh, do not allow you to bet high limits on props mm-hmm. so yeah there's minimal research uh, from the books as far as, uh, yeah, putting out prop lines. So, yeah, it's a very, very soft, beatable, exploitable market. Okay,
1: okay. So, let's just say that someone's listening and they, they want to dip their toe into, into uh, you know, some prop bets. Without divulging any of your, your trade secrets, I'm sure. Uh, what should somebody be looking at, props? What's a good place to start looking
2: yeah, so I it's a difficult question to answer because I think it's, it requires many different components in order to be successful. I'll try to make them, you know, uh as orderly as possible. So yeah, I would I think experience is really important, having some sort of experience um whether it's betting, whether it's playing fantasy sports, even other strategy-based games is really important. In order to be successful, in my opinion, you have to be disciplined. You have to practice bankroll management. uh, And yeah, you just frankly have to take it seriously. Um, So yeah, the, the first thing I would tell someone is just to not bet anything you're not willing to lose look at it like you know you're going out to a football game and this is your budget for how much fun you're willing to have to spend on you know popcorn or a beer or whatever like that's the money you're setting aside to bet just be prepared to lose it because you know that obviously is a possibility anytime you place a bet um so yeah i would say Learning first bankroll management is very important. Um, adopting some sort of system where you're not risking the majority of your bankroll each and every. Bet or each and every week, um, I would also say, yeah, having a background or uh, in statistics in fantasy sports is is extremely helpful as well. Um, having an understanding of even traditional uh, finance markets is, in my opinion, a very underrated aspect and can provide you a huge edge in uh, in the betting market. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things that you can do um, to give you an edge. And, and, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. In my opinion, just it, it's a big puzzle with a lot of different puzzle pieces and just you know, kind of uh, going through them all, developing a strategy, developing a system, game theory are all things that you mm-hmm. should kind of focus on.
0: Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, It's Proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie
1: He should be shopping lines too, even especially with an inefficient market like props. I would assume.
2: Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So so having multiple accounts on multiple sports books, it, you hit the nail on the head. Arch is extremely advantageous. You'll see massive discrepancies between books, like you said, because of the fact it's a very inefficient market. You know, say we're dealing with a prop. It's uh, it's say for instance. Um, Jalen Guyton's receiving yards, and it's 34 on MGM Sportsbook. It might be 26 on FanDuel. So, yeah, being aware and having money on every single sportsbook will benefit you greatly.
1: Absolutely. That's bang that drum all the time
2: for people. Definitely.
1: Yeah. So, bankroll management are you a flat better? Do you do anything like Kelly or?
2: So, I yeah. primarily bet to win. Um, uh, so, meaning, you know, if a bet has minus 115 odds, for those people that aren't aware of what that means, uh, I will bet 1.15 units in order to win one unit. Uh, to me, I try to do that in order to maximize my edge as much as possible. Um, yeah, I bet primarily between one and two units per bet. Um, if I'm betting one and a half or two units that just indicates I have more confidence um, in the pick I also encourage people when they're asking me what does one unit represent uh, generally speaking one to two percent of your bankroll so for instance if you have a thousand dollar bankroll um, ten dollars would be one percent of uh, ten dollars would be one percent of that bankroll and, one, and that would be the equivalent of one unit obviously you know people come to me and they're like well I only have a couple hundred bucks I don't want to be betting, you know, like $1 and $2 units in that scenario, um, you know, I think it's okay to maybe be a little more aggressive, but you know, at the same time, it's never plus EV long-term to be risking half of your bankroll over the course of a weekend. So
1: building your bankroll is such a hard thing. If you don't have the money, like
2: (laughs) it really is. Yeah, it really is. it's a lot easier to, I also f- find and tell people this, it's a lot easier to be um, disciplined when your bankroll is larger. When you get to the point where one unit is meaningful, it's a lot easier to stick to um, a system. And uh, yeah, so kind of the, that's a goal that, you know, I, I try to encourage people is to, to build your bankroll, get to a point where one unit is meaningful where you're not, you know, putting yourself at unnecessary risk or, you know, like we mentioned before, betting way too much or way too big of a portion over the course of a game or a weekend or whatever.
1: I got you. Do you still bet uh, totals, money lines, sides like that or
2: no? I do, but it's infrequent. It's generally if, you know, over the course of a week or something, if I've been conversing with other people in the betting circles that I'm in, I, you know, I have contacts that focus Mm -hmm. primarily on spreads and totals. So I'll get tipped off, but yeah, it's, it's infrequent. I would say 90 to 95% of my action is strictly props.
1: Strictly props no live betting either. Yeah, so
2: I haven't really dabbled into live betting. I do know that it is a uh, advantageous and exploitable and efficient market, and Mm -hmm. you know for props as well. But yeah, it's not something that I've I've put a lot of energy into. It's something I actually plan to in the near future. You
1: talk to a lot of people out there. What do you see as the biggest mistakes a sports bettor makes?
2: Yeah, so so there's a lot. Um, I would say. one of the biggest mistakes I see is dealing with swings, dealing with yeah down swings when things aren't going well. A lot of bettors will, you know, look at their results. You know, they can maybe start out, say, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to only make X amount of bets. I'm going to risk X amount of units and they find themselves, you know, five and nine over the course of the weekend. And then Monday night football, they look at it as their last chance for redemption and, you know, where in the past they were sticking to some sort of bankroll management system where they're only risking, you know, one to 2% per unit. Then suddenly, you know, they're trying to make up for all of their losses, um, in the last potential hurrah sort of thing. So, yeah, I see, I see, I think that's a really underrated component and aspect to being a successful better is dealing with the psychological aspect of betting, which is discipline, being able to, um, be comfortable losing, not sometimes the best bet you can make is not making a bet, Mm, not mm. forcing action. Um, not just betting for the sake of betting. There's times where I just pass. I don't find spots that I think that check every box that I feel, you know, are solid enough for me to put my stamp of approval. I just won't bet. So yeah, I think just, uh, being cautious, being selective, sticking to a system, uh, yeah, that's going to really benefit you in the long run.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Uh, um, NBA, I got to talk. I got to talk to you about the NBA for a minute. Cause I've seen the NBA break a lot of handicappers. I see a lot of posts like F this league. I'm not doing it anymore. You can't, you can't predict the NBA, but you know, other people sworn it off. You're, you're d- diving right into it
2: yeah so so i love the nba i'm very passionate about the nba the nba is probably uh my favorite sport uh we mentioned earlier i only do football and basketball so that you know gets all of my attention but yeah the the, the basketball season is a grind you're going to experience ups and downs and everything in between so yeah i've also seen numerous people even people that had a lot of experience uh, get to a point where they're either you know um running poorly um, sometimes you can't even differentiate if you're running poorly like if it's a luck based thing um, or if you're just you know r- running suboptimally meaning you know you're making the right bets but the wrong outcomes are happening so yeah it, it's it's definitely requires mental fortitude it, it experience is so important and especially when we're talking about these, marathon seasons where you're going to just there's nothing that just points straight up in betting. like you look at any graph any chart of anyone's results over a large enough sample there are just ebbs and flows like anything else and being able to deal with those flows is not easy and i would just yeah caution anyone like it's just like by nature a lot of people just want to when they start losing increase their bet size or start betting more to make up for losses and that is the opposite of what you should be doing you should be tightening things up um you should be you know trying to look at where you went wrong um by recording as much data as possible when i say that i mean when you're tracking your results you should be tracking you know every possible piece of data you can so for instance if, if you know you have a Microsoft Excel sheet and you're and you're inputting, inputting your results you should be looking at you know inputting the the odds you got the bet at you should look at the closing line you should have every category if you're betting props like there is so much to be learned by looking at your results analyzing your results looking at where you went wrong looking at the categories where you're struggling so yeah you will learn so much about yourself and about where your biggest edges are and about you know where your biggest leaks are as well the more information that you collect about yourself and about your results is
1: closing line value is that is that very very important
2: yeah it is i mean you're going to it's, it's an extremely good indication if you're on the right side so that can lead you to at least learn you know maybe the result isn't what you wanted but if you see significant movement you know going your side you say you take an over and the the, the line on the over moves significantly in the direction you bet it that is generally speaking going you were on the right side um so yeah that that is an important aspect a lot of of that is just instincts a lot of the time market instincts recognizing where those values are but yeah closing line value is really important with props do you believe
1: in reverse line movement at all
2: yeah I, I do I, th- I do think it plays um, it, it plays a factor um, yeah I think I think um, yeah I, I do
1: okay cool cool is there anything else you want to impart on people any, any wisdom you want to drop on them
2: so yeah, I would say prop betting, the prop space is extremely exciting. It's booming. Um, more and more states are legalizing sports betting. You're seeing you know, um, FanDuel, DraftKing make partnerships with the NFL. Uh, so yeah, it's a really exciting time to be betting props Uh, yeah the market we talked about how inefficient the market is so there is money to be made in props I would just say to uh, look into developing a strategy study research all these things benefit you a tremendous amount and yeah just uh, treat it like you would treat anything else that you're taking seriously and the rewards will be fruitful
1: nice so we want to follow prop stars and pip stars right Uh, on Twitter
2: yeah Yeah. yes sir
1: all right very cool And uh, we all learned a little bit about props today. And we we also learned we should be nicer to Philadelphia fans. (laughs) Alex, thanks so much for hanging out with me, man. I appreciate it.
2: Awesome, man. I really appreciate it too, Arch.